What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week four of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019-2020 NFL regular season and postseason, and we had ourselves what they would call a nice little bounce back week in week three. First of all, got the job done straight up, went 11 and 5, that's where we like to be inside of double digits for sure. 28, 19, and 1 now with the straight up picks on the season. Obviously, we'd like it to be better, but after last week's, uh, you know, 7 and 9 debacle, we'll certainly take an 11 and 5 week. And against the spread and over under, I was over 500 on both of them. And that just feels like the warmest safest weighted security blanket that you could ever feel it's like oh my god i went over 500 across the board feels pretty good man nine and seven against the spread so we're only 19 28 and one on the season but look nine and seven hopefully that's a sign that we're heading in the right direction with the spread picks and even on the totals eight seven and one on the totals in week three that means we're 21 26 and one on the total so we're still well below 500 in both cases against the spread like i mentioned last week's going to be a multi-week thing to get us back up to 500 but movements in the proper direction that's what matters and eventually this season, we'll get around to why I'm struggling so heavily on the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. And I did go three and one straight up, but for the second week in a row, I lost my bronze pick straight up. That was the Seattle Seahawks to beat the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans goes into Seattle without Drew Brees and beats them 33 to 27. And mad respect to the New Orleans Saints because I did not think they were going to do that. That was my straight up loss, but I did have Buffalo over Cincinnati, Minnesota over Oakland and New England over the Jets. All three of those worked out straight up. Against the spread, I only went one and three. The only one covering was I did have the Jets plus 22 and a half because like I said, any spread that is over uh, 20 points or more is ridiculous, especially in a division game. So the Jets did cover that, but Seattle minus five didn't work out. Buffalo minus six didn't work out because they only won the game by four and Oakland did not cover plus eight and a half. I did, however, go even money on the totals. I did tell you to go over 42 and a half points in Minnesota, Oakland, and stay under 46 points in New England and the New York Jets, which means I actually swept my silver pick. And I think that's the second time this season that I've done that. So the silver pick so far this season has been absolutely on point. I think I've only lost one pick in the silver pick all year. Checking in on both the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, straight up pool with confidence points, I'm in a tie for 16th place out of 37 people making picks in that pool. 289 out of 408 possible confidence points. That is a championship clip of 71%. And I say that because historically, that's right about where the league winner winds up by the time the season is over. Brought in 101 out of 130 six possible confidence points in week three did our job getting to triple digits there that's a 74 percent clip but shout out to our week three winner likey 69 likey 69 going 12 and 4 in week three to bring in 112 of the 136 possible confidence points that's a clip of 82%. That was good enough to win the week. But I do also have to shout out my good friend and longtime supporter and NFL YouTube 
prog father, if you will, Gio Knows, Gio DeFranco, who also had 112 out of 136 confidence points, but only went 11 and 5 straight up rather than the 12 and 4. So we got to give Likey 69 the win there, but Gio also pulling in the exact same number of confidence points. We also have a brand new overall leader in this pool, and the name is Shit Out of Luck, which is a delicious, delicious pun. Shit Out of Luck is 32, 15, and 1 straight up on the season, having 318 of the 408 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 78%. They're doing an excellent job on the season, and just to illustrate exactly how close this pool is, there are three teams within a single point of being in first place in this pool and there are four teams that are only within 10 points so that's that's one strong pick either way like a big upset happens and all of a sudden there's a lot of shifting at the top of the pool so it is time to get into that pool if you haven't yet you still have time but it's very quickly running out anybody's game still at this point in the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pool, I'm in a tie for 21st out of the 36 people making picks with my 28 straight up correct picks on the season of the 48 games. It's only a 58% clip, definitely not where I want to be and definitely not where I will be by the time the season is over. I did bring in 11 of the 16 games correctly last week. That's a clip of 69%. Not good enough to win the week, however. Shout out to our week three co-winners, Picked Last and Shark Jumper. They both went 13 and 3 last week. That's a clip of 81% straight up, and it was good enough to win week 3. Half Moon's Picks remains the overall leader in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators pool. 35, 12, and 1, I believe, is his record right now, which is, oh, 35 of the 48 games correct. That's 73%. And as a prog, 70% straight up definitely where you want to be so shout out to likey 69 geo nose in the honorable mention picked last and shark jumper for winning week three and to shit out of luck and half moon's picks for being the overall pool leaders Checking in on Chris Carter's survival pool, the Hatbox Kid still alive in that pool, still with zero strikes, so we are 3-0 on the season in the survival pool. There are only 28 of the 35 people in that pool still left alive. We've already lost seven people, and we're only through three weeks. And there are an additional six who have a single strike already. I have a clean slate, zero strikes, took Seattle in week one, Baltimore in week two, and Buffalo last week. So we're 3-0. We're in great shape in the survival pool. Taking a peek into Fantasy Corner to see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week three action and across the board, excellent week. I was six and two across my eight teams. Checking in on my two dynasty leagues, the Professionals Dynasty Football, I picked up the win in week three over Keith Bailey, a fellow NFL YouTube prog. And I also, in the process, set the all-time league single-week scoring record. It was something like 231 points, somewhere in that range. Monster weeks from Mike Evans, from Russell Wilson. Alvin Kamara had a big week. I just had a lot of scoring across the board, setting the all-time single-week scoring record. And I think I actually like blew it out of the water. So, a little pat on the back to yours truly. I'm 2-1 in that pool. Currently sit in fourth place of the 12 people in that league. 
I got a week four matchup coming up against Turn Down for Watt, and he's been a really strong performer throughout this entire league. Off to a rough start this season. It's a projected win for me, but obviously still have a lot of work to do. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I also picked up the win. That was over Rob Jones, and I'm one of three teams in that league to start their season three and oh, I got a week four matchup coming up against Chris Carter, the Gracie Manor Ghouls, which actually right now is a projected loss for me. So I'm going to have to do a little digging, see what I can do with my fantasy lineup there. Keith Bailey and Rob Jones, thank you for the matchups in week three. Turn down for Watt and Gracie Manor Ghouls. We got a little business to take care of in week four. And I'll take the opportunity, as I always do, to let you know that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you are going to find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week four in the NFL. You are going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick and pools. Never too late in a season. If you win a week, you get yourself shouted out on this show, which by the way, it looks like last week's episode is going to eclipse 500 views for the first time this season. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. You're also going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, where we talk football all week long. It's an excellent little community. Get yourself joined up on the page. And finally, as always, you can find information on my incredible sponsors at Nerd Tees. Folks, you're going to want to do something for me. You're going to want to open up your web browser of choice. You're going to want to go to nerdtees.ca. You're going to want to fill your shopping cart with all kinds of leafy goodness. And you're going to want to go to checkout and use the promo code BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% on the entirety of your order. And if you're in Canada like I am, you're going to get free shipping on any order over $75 within the country, the great country of Canada. If you are in the United States, two clicks of a button and everything is in US dollars for you, you get an excellent conversion rate on the US dollar. Today's blend is a delicious and delectable cookie dough. It smells like a bakery every time you make a cup of tea. How could you not love that? It tastes great and it just it just makes you feel good when you're sitting here talking about early season NFL football. So nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFINEST, save you 15%. Get your free shipping or your great conversion rate. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love just in time for Christmas. You can do it on nerdtees.ca. Only got 15 games to talk about this week. The New York Jets, as well as the San Francisco 49ers, are on by this week. And I feel terribly bad for both of those teams. Because you go an entire offseason not playing football, you play three weeks of meaningful football, and then you have to take your bye week realizing that from week five onward, you don't get another break until the end of the season. This is a terrible, absolutely awful bye week position. I would rather be one of the later bye weeks in the season than one of the earliest. And it really, I think, sets these two teams behind the eight ball. But we are going to start in Green Bay. How apropos is that since you're listening to Bridgewater's Finest and I'm a huge Packers fan. Let's start in Green Bay. Packers are going to play host to the Philadelphia Eagles who you got to believe are limping into this game in a big bad way. 
Packers are off to a 3-0 start on the season after a trio of low-scoring games, but had a really good performance last week at home against Denver, winning that game 27-16. The Eagles, meanwhile, dropping a game at home against Detroit 27-24. The Lions picking up the win there. Philadelphia, to this point on the season, has lost two of their first three. And when I talk about the Eagles limping in, they've got had a number of injuries going into that game or just players either missing the game or at less than 100%. Uh, noteworthy, I'm pretty sure Jason Peters either didn't play or was playing with like the flu or something like that last week. So things are really piling up on Philly and it certainly didn't get any easier. Cornerback Ronald Darby, which look... Inside the Eagles fan base, Ronald Darby is uh, much maligned, we'll put it that way. But look, over his over and above his replacement level player, I you want Ronald Darby in the lineup, I would think. He's got a hamstring injury that Ian Rappaport is reporting as a significant one. And it seems more likely than not now that Darby's going to miss multiple games, which is bad news for an Eagles pass defense that's already fourth worst in the NFL. This is such a strange matchup, and I feel like it's it's really going to come down to which one of these two teams does the thing they're good at incredibly, right? Like, it's, you have a matchup here where, like, okay, you got Aaron Rodgers going up against the, first, the fourth worst pass defense in the NFL. Sorry about that. You've got the Eagles, a number two ranked run defense, despite the fact that they're inside the bottom five in pass defense. So you know this is going to be a lot of Aaron Rodgers throwing the football, and do the Philadelphia Eagles have anything for that? On the flip side, you got the Eagles run game going up against a Packers run defense that is bottom 10 in the NFL. Basically, what we're looking at here is Green Bay is going to be able to throw the ball, Philly's going to be able to run the ball. Which one of those two things winds up superseding the other one and look the Packers are the fifth worst total offense in football so far and yet they're 3-0 and that defense has played incredibly have the Packers but at some point the offense really has to pick it up this is the opportunity for Aaron Rodgers and this offense to put up the numbers that we expect from them it was a move in the right direction last week putting up 27 points on the Broncos let's see what they do this week against the Eagles I got to take the Packers here, mostly because the game is in Green Bay. I feel like these are two teams that are very similar to each other. But I'm going to lean on Aaron Rodgers and the pass offense going up against that secondary. Let's take Green Bay at home to beat the Eagles. On the line, the Packers are four and a half point favorites, which feels like maybe it's a little too much. I feel like this is going to be a relatively tight football game for most of it. I guess you'd call this one a lean, but I mean, it's it's well under a touchdown. So I think I'll have to lay those points. Let's take Green Bay minus the four and a half at home against Philly. Total in the game set at 45 points. I personally have this capped right around a mid to high 40. That's a pretty good number, but I do think it leans over. So we're going to go over 45 points in Green Bay, Philly. Let's go Packers 27, Eagles 20. Let's go to Atlanta now where the Falcons are going to play host to the Tennessee Titans. Titans coming into this game off the long week, having played on Thursday night. It's their second straight road game. However, they did lose last week a game that I thought they were going to win. And I mean, they didn't just lose that game to Jacksonville. They basically got embarrassed. Like they looked terrible. Marcus Mariota, and I tweeted this while I was watching the game. Marcus Mariota for a player in his fifth season in the NFL 
makes mistakes throwing the football that you would expect a rookie to make. You wouldn't expect a fifth-year pro to make some of the plays and make some of the mistakes that Marcus Mariota makes. So is it still Marcus Mariota season in Tennessee? And get used to that because I'm probably going to say that a lot this week. Like, is it still Marcus Mariota's team? Do they make the move to Ryan Tannehill? Would Ryan Tannehill be a boon? Or even if he wouldn't be a boon, would he be the change that this offense needs to see? It's not the fault of the defense. The defense has played just fine. It's the offense. The Falcons, meanwhile, dropped a three-point decision last week in Indianapolis to the Colts, and that certainly was not all that they lost in that football game. Keanu Neal at the safety position for the second straight season has suffered a season-ending injury very early. He's torn his Achilles. Keanu Neal is done for the year, and that is a huge hit against that Falcons pass defense and even the run defense coming up from the safety position. As well, running back, backup running back, Ido Smith, a possible concussion situation there. His status for this week is also uncertain. So you have a real key piece on the defensive side now done for the year and a potential key piece on offense that you may not see this week. Falcons come into this game with a top 10 pass offense. Uh, Tennessee fifth worst in the league, something like that. So you know if any one of these two teams is going to make moves through the air, it's probably not going to be the Titans. Especially considering these are two teams that also have top 10 pass defenses so far on the season. The Titans, the number three pass defense in the NFL. Atlanta ranking in at number eight. But I'll be real interested to see how the loss of Keanu Neal impacts that pass defense. I would expect them to fall out of the top 10 at the very least. Hopefully stay somewhere in the top half of the league. But that's the big story in this game. How does the loss of Keanu Neal really impact that secondary? I know this is back-to-back road games for Tennessee. Now, they did lose last week, but it's still back-to-back roadies. But if the Titans are going to do it, it feels like it has to be this week. Like, it has to be this week against a team that just lost a really high-performing safety. If, if Mariota's going to do anything, it feels like it's got to be this week because Atlanta's scrambling to try to fix that. So, I don't, I don't really want to. But I'm, I'm going to take Tennessee here as a very low-confidence upset pick. And uh, I'm, I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to lean on that defense, which has played incredibly well this year, and see what they've got. And if they don't got it, I might have to fade Tennessee rest of season until they move on from Marcus Mariota. Because that's the element that's holding that offense back. So I'm going to hold my nose here a little bit and take the Tennessee Titans to win the game straight up in Atlanta over the Falcons. On the line, Atlanta's a four-point favorite at home. We like Tennessee to win. Let's take those points. Titans plus four. Total in the game set at 45.5 points. I only have this thing capped at a low 40, and the two teams have only combined to hit two overs all season. So let's lean under that number. We're going to go under 45.5 points in Tennessee, Atlanta. Let's go Titans 21 Falcons 20. Let's go to Buffalo now for right now what looks like the battle for the AFC East. The Bills and the Patriots both sitting at 3 and 0 on the season. The Patriots have only given up 17 points 
on the season and they're already up over 100 points scored. This is arguably the most dominant Patriots team that we have seen in a long time and imagine the territory that that covers. But the Bills have gotten the job done too, man. They've won two games on the road already this season. Last week, again, that 21-17 victory against Cincinnati. That was, I believe, in Buffalo's home opener. Like I say, Patriots, they're 3-0. They had a big win last week, a division win against the New York Jets. Didn't cover the spread like I said they wouldn't, but they picked up the win, certainly got the job done. A situation that's worth monitoring for the Patriots, Julian Edelman got injured in that game last week, a chest injury. Tom Brady was quoted as saying, you know, Jules will be good. It's still a situation worth monitoring because, I mean, he could very well be limited. And I think there were some issues around Josh Gordon as well. Was he not limited with some kind of injury? So maybe the pass offense might suffer a little bit. And I had to chuckle in saying that because it's Tom Brady. This is a battle of two, not only two top 10 total offenses, Patriots number five and Bills number eight on the season, but it's two top 10 total defenses. The Patriots, the number one total defense in the NFL to this point this season and Buffalo no slouches at number six. I told you Buffalo was going to be a dark horse defense. You got to understand why I'm on the Patriots this week. I would hope head to head. The Patriots have won five straight games. They've won seven of the last eight dating back to 2015, and they've won them in relatively dominant fashion, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, Even though the game's in Buffalo, you gotta like the Patriots here. Let's take New England in Buffalo to beat the Bills. Gotta keep picking the Patriots until someone shows me otherwise. Maybe it's this week. On the line, the Patriots are favored by a full touchdown on the road, which would usually make me a little squirrely. But, like I said, not only have they won five straight games against, you know, head-to-head against Buffalo, but they've covered minus seven against the spread in all five of those games. Granted, this is a different Buffalo team. This is a better Buffalo team than what we've seen in the last couple of years. But I still feel confident that the Patriots are going to cover this number. So let's lay those points, take New England, minus the seven total in the game set at 42 and a half points i don't have this game hitting 40 i got this capped at a high 30 and the two teams have only hit one over combined this season two incredible defenses let's see the defenses play some football we're gonna go under that 42 and a half point total in new england buffalo let's go patriots 25 buffalo 14 Let's go to Detroit now where the Lions are going to play host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of these teams walking into this game with a little bit of injury concern. On Detroit's side, it's in their front seven on the defensive line. Mike Daniels has a foot injury. He was seen in a walking boot. His status for this game is uncertain. Ditto for Darius Slay in the secondary cornerback for the Lions. He's got a hamstring injury. His status is uncertain for this game. So you could have defensive injuries on multiple levels for the Lions heading into a game against the Chiefs. Now, arguably, the Chiefs' offense will also be at less than 100% this week as Tyreek Hill still won't be playing in the game and LaShawn McCoy is dealing with an ankle injury that he has re-aggravated from either last season or in the offseason. I can't remember which one. His status for this football game is also uncertain, so the Chiefs could be taking a little bit of a hit in the run game. Well, it's worth noting, I said that thing about Tyreek Hill. I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to be out that much longer. Like, Tyreek Hill, if you 
believe Andy Reid and you believe the reports of Tyreek dribbling a basketball in the Chiefs locker room with both arms, like with both hands, it seems like he's not a guy that's going to be out of the lineup for too, too much longer. Obviously, they'll err on the side of caution. He's one of the ultimate take the top off the defense offensive players in this league. So they're going to play it cool with him because obviously there's, there's certainly no rush to bring him back. But I don't think he's going to be out of the lineup much longer. And that's a scary proposition given that the Chiefs are already sitting with the number two total offense in football without Tyreek Hill. You put Tyreek Hill back in that offense and Patrick Mahomes is just like, oh my God, it's Christmas every week because I've got Tyreek Hill to throw the ball to now. I mean, I've got to be on the Chiefs in this one. Chiefs had a very impressive win last week against Baltimore. I said that was probably going to be the game of the week, and I think it arguably was right up there with New Orleans and Seattle. Now, look, Detroit won last week as well. They beat the Eagles 27-24. Big game for the offense. I don't necessarily know that I trust the offense to have that happen twice in a row. So we're going to be on KC in this one. Let's take the Chiefs on the road in Detroit to beat the Lions. On the line, Lions are six-point dogs at home. So Chiefs, you only got to lay six points. It's under a touchdown to take the Chiefs, and I don't think you're going to get that many times for the rest of the season. So I kind of feel like I'm wasting it if I don't take it. I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to lay those points, take Kansas City minus six. Total in the game set at 54, and I'm actually going to be going against popular sentiment here the vast majority of the public as well as betting experts are taking the over in this one and it makes sense why it's it's the chiefs but I, I, this is not the way i have it capped and look they are a combined four and two over under these two teams this season so it's not like they're not putting up points because they are but i've only got the game capped at a high 40 i don't think this game hits 50 and if you're going to give me a number like 54 I guess I kind of have to bite on it and take the under. So I'm going against popular sentiment here. I fully understand that, but I'm staying under 54 points in Detroit, Kansas City. Let's take Chiefs 28, Lions 21. Let's go to New York now where the Giants are going to play host to the Washington Redskins division matchup here in the NFC East. Skins are 0-3 on the season and certainly have not looked very good while doing it. Although it's interesting, both of these teams have scored the exact same number of points, 63, and allowed the exact same number of points, 94. Major difference that separates the two, the Giants came up with a win last week, a one-point victory in Tampa Bay against the Bucs, which only proves that even when Mike Evans has the game of his life, the Bucs can't figure out how to win football games. Uh, Washington looked bad last night. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't I don't know how else to say it. That offense looks terrible with Case Keenum. Don't be shocked in the least if you see Dwayne Haskins get named the starting quarterback this week. In a division matchup, maybe you want to give him that trial by fire. It's on the road, hostile environment. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel to me like it would be a smart decision, but then again, the Redskins probably feel like they're trying to quote-unquote save their season where like this team's not good enough to make the playoffs. So it's not like it's going to happen. But I, I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked to see a quarterback change. Speaking of change, the New York Giants are moving on. Life without, for a little while, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley suffering a high ankle sprain in that game last week against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and the Giants still came back to come up with the win. But look, high ankle sprain. Looks like he's going to be out a minimum 
of four weeks could be up to eight weeks with the nature of that kind of injury and if you're the Giants what's the point in rushing Saquon back but in good news for the Giants it is officially Daniel Jones season there's the second one Daniel Jones season for the New York Giants 23 of 36 336 yards passing two passing touchdowns no interceptions very important for a rookie making his first start and four carries for 28 yards and two rushing touchdowns. What is this, the CFL? Four total touchdowns for a quarterback? Two passing, two rushing? I love it. Daniel Jones had himself a heck of a game against a, you know, not very good defense in Tampa Bay. He gets to play another not very good defense this week, and this time he gets the benefit of being at home. These two teams have traded wins back and forth over their last eight head-to-head, so that's basically the last four years' worth of matchups, with the teams being, you know, varying levels of talent. I would say over the last four years, Washington's probably been the slightly better football team, but, I mean, they've traded wins back and forth. I just actually kind of feel good about where the Giants are going, despite the fact that Saquon got hurt. Which, by the way, if you can pick up um, Wayne, is it Wayne Gallman? I think it's Wayne Gallman who's the primary backup. He should be the number one waiver priority for every single league across the board all week. If you can grab him in your league, put in a waiver claim if you've got high priority. If not, pray to God that he hits the free agent market. And if he does, scoop him up. Because if he's, you know, Saquon's out for four weeks, this is the guy. In this head-to-head matchup, the favorite has won and covered three of the last four times, and that trend I'm going to predict is going to continue. I'm going to take the New York Giants here at home against Washington. I like them to pick up the win. Washington's also going to come into this game on the short week, just having played last night and really not looked very good. I think the Giants' defense can do some damage in this game, as we certainly saw the Bears' defense was able to last night. Let's take the Giants at home to beat Washington. On the line, the Giants are only three-point favorites. You only have to lay a field goal. We're going to do that. It's a small price to pay. Let's take the Giants minus three. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. I think this is pretty well a perfect total. So it's kind of a coin flip, but the two teams have hit five overs in six games combined. So we're going to skew on the over, go over 46.5 points in Washington, New York. Let's take Giants 27, Skins 21. Let's go to Houston now. Texans playing host to the Carolina Panthers. And once again, it will be the Cam Newton-less Carolina Panthers as he has already been announced that he will be sitting out week four. Panthers are on back-to-back roadies as well and won last week. Not a great situation as far as I'm concerned if you're Carolina. Texans got the job done in Los Angeles against the Chargers last week to the tune of 27-20. to That was a pretty... A pretty good performance as far as I'm concerned for the Houston Texans. So Houston coming into the game with momentum. But look, Carolina, no disrespect to Carolina, they won that game last week. A lot of people were picking against Carolina in that game last week because there was going to be no Cam Newton. What did they do? They went in and they put up 38 points. Granted, it was against Arizona and the defense is bad. But still, they still put up 38 points with a backup quarterback. Second straight game, I'm going to talk about it. This time, it is Kyle Allen season, the backup quarterback for Carolina, who becomes the starting quarterback. He goes 19 of 26 for 261 and four passing touchdowns. Really opportunistic play from Kyle Allen. I thought he had himself an excellent, excellent football game. Like, I mean, that's... 
that's got around 75% passing, I believe, is it not? And, you know, to go over 250 yards and four passing touchdowns, that's real good. The Panthers are also sitting here with a top five total defense so far this season. Carolina is no pushover. I don't know how so many people, like otherwise sort of smart cappers and people that do this, could have so instantly like thrown the Panthers in the trash just because Cam Newton wasn't playing. It's not like Cam Newton's been lighting the world on fire this year. That said, the competition steps up big time this week. The Houston Texans are not the Arizona Cardinals. It's back-to-back road games for Carolina after they won last week. I realize that trend has been completely flipped on its head this year as teams playing back-to-back road games and winning the first one are now 4-0 straight up and 4-0 against the spread in the second half of those back-to-back road games. But I, I just don't see that. That trend cannot continue. And I'm not predicting that trend to continue. We're going to take the Houston Texans here at home to put up a win on the Carolina Panthers. On the line, Houston's a five-point favorite at home, which feels like a relatively high number. Uh, It it is under a touchdown. I guess this is more of a lean for me, I guess. But I am going to lay those points, and I'm going to take the Texans minus five. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. I've only got this capped at like a low 40. I'm not sure whether Allen is going to have lightning strike twice and play the way that he did against Arizona last week. So I think I got to lean on the under on this one. Low 40. Let's go under 46 and a half points in Houston, Carolina. Texans 24. Panthers 18. Let's go to Arizona now, battle of the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals playing host to the Seattle Seahawks. Both of these teams coming into this game off of losses last week. In fact, both of these teams coming into this game off of home losses last week. Arizona with the aforementioned like 18-point loss against Carolina, and Seattle losing that game to the New Orleans Saints. Arizona enters this game with the fourth worst total defense in the NFL. Certainly that game last week uh, contributed heavily to that. Meanwhile, the Seahawks sit with a top five run defense. So I don't know how exactly how many lanes are going to be open for Kyler Murray in this football game. However, this is one of those matchups like this, uh, you know, obviously division matchup is two teams that know each other very well, but this is one of those matchups where weird stuff happens between Arizona and Seattle. Here's an interesting stat for you. You know, Seattle's won two straight and they've won three of the last four, which is what you would expect for a team like the Seattle Seahawks. However, in the last eight head-to-head matchups between these two teams, the underdog, the betting underdog, has covered all eight of them and has won four of those eight games straight up. This is just one of those matchups where weird stuff happens. I don't exactly know what the Seattle Seahawks are. I also don't exactly know what the Arizona Cardinals are other than a bad defense. So really, I think I'm kind of dumb for doing this, but I'm going to take the upset here. And I don't think a lot of people will be. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I'm going to take the home team here. Let's go with Arizona at home to upset division rival Seattle, hand Seattle their second straight loss, kind of puts them behind the eight ball here early in the season. I feel like Seattle will recover, but let's take Arizona in the upset. Uh, On the line, the cards are plus five. So I think even if you like Seattle to win this game, this is a good hedge opportunity for you because the dog has covered eight straight times head to head. So we're taking the points on the Cardinals, taking Arizona, plus five. 
Total in the game set at 47 and a half points. I have this capped at a low 50. The two teams have combined to hit four of six overs so far this season. That's good enough for me. Let's take Arizona and Seattle to go over 47 and a half points. We're going to take Cardinals 27, Seahawks 24. Let's go to Chicago now for another divisional matchup. The Bears coming into this game on the short week, having just played on Monday night, playing host to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Bears, look, they the score in that game last night, very impressive, 31-15. to The defense looked great against an anemic offense in Washington. I don't think the Vikings are an anemic offense. The Bears, this offense is not good. Like, you look at 31 points. That's great. Well, one of those touchdowns was a defensive touchdown. It was a pick six. So now you take that 31 and it becomes 24. 24 points for the offense. That's good, right? It is. Taylor Gabriel had, I think, two of those touchdowns. But my problem with it is a lot of those points came off turnovers. If Chicago can't generate turnovers on the defensive side, this is not a good offense. Mitch Trubisky has struggled all season long and much to the chagrin and gray hair generation of one uh, at Yahoo Noise on Twitter, Brad Evans, a Yahoo fantasy expert, they will not commit to David Montgomery. And I I mean, look, I've kind of been needling Brad a little bit and I feel a little bit bad about it because it was like he was saying like, David Montgomery will win your fantasy league this year. And I was like, no, well, I don't think that's the case. He's, he's in a timeshare with Tariq Cohen, and he's got Mike Davis there as well. Is he the most talented of those backs? Sure he is. But is he the necessarily the most valuable to his team? I would argue no. I would argue Tariq Cohen is more valuable to that Bears offense the way Matt Nagy runs it than is David Montgomery. And that's what I was saying in the preseason, and Brad seems to just completely put blinders on to that and just yell at Matt Nagy for the way he runs his football team, despite the fact that they're winning. But the point is, I don't think this Bears offense is necessarily that good, especially if the defense doesn't generate turnovers. Now, the Vikings have coughed the ball up four times so far this season, and that's just in three games. So will they get a turnover in this game, will Chicago? Probably, on average. Vikings come into this game with the second worst pass offense in the NFL, but the second best run offense. You're going to see a ton of Dalvin Cook and the run game in this football game. And Chicago comes into the game with the fourth worst pass offense. So I don't think you're going to see a whole heck of a lot going on through the air in this pass game. The head-to-head trend would certainly have you lean towards the Chicago Bears and given that they're at home. The Bears have won two straight and they've covered against the spread in four straight and five of the last six head-to-head. So Chicago has gotten the better of this head-to-head matchup lately. But if I were to look at these two teams and you would ask me, which of these two teams on a neutral field do you trust more? I have to say the Minnesota Vikings because I trust that run game. And that run game, I think, can be dominant and can wear even a great defense down. So Minnesota is the team between these two that I trust more on a neutral field. Does it being in Chicago change that enough for me to take the Bears on a short week? I'm afraid it doesn't. I'm actually going to go with the Minnesota Vikings in this game. They are the underdog, but it's a division matchup. I like the underdog here once again. Let's take the Vikings on the road in Chicago to upset the Bears. Bears are three-point favorites against the spread. Obviously, we like Minnesota to win. Let's take those points, take the Vikings, plus three.
Total in the game only set at 38 points, and I believe that is our smallest total of the week. In fact, it is. I think this is pretty well a perfect total. I think it's right around where this number is going to be, but the two teams have only hit two overs combined in six games this season. We're going to skew under on this total of 38 points by the slightest of margins in Minnesota-Chicago. Let's take Vikings 20, Bears 17. Now, my neighbor is outside mowing, which you may hear the lawnmower in the background. We will try to talk over it, but I apologize if you happen to hear a little... Let's go to Denver now. The Broncos are going to play host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville coming in off the long week, off their victory against Tennessee on Thursday night. Both of these teams come in with injury issues. And both of those injuries come on the defensive side of the football. For the Broncos, defensive end Derek Wolf, an ankle injury. He was carted off in that game last week against Green Bay. His status is uncertain at this point, but it, it certainly did not look good for him. And in Jacksonville, Miles Jack suffered a concussion in that game on Thursday night against Tennessee. He's in the concussion protocol. His status is uncertain, but he's passed everything. That was confirmed, by the way. He's passed everything in the protocol up to this point. So you could very well see Miles Jack play in this football game, or you could see the Jags err on the side of caution. This may be the snore fest of the week. I, I don't see anything particularly special about either one of these football teams. Like, honestly, do I trust Denver very much? No. Do I trust Jacksonville very much? No, especially not on the road. But I think the Jags are the better football team. If there is anything special about either one of these teams, it's probably Minshew Mania. So I guess I'm going to lean on Minshew Mania yet again to go into Denver and hang a loss on the Broncos. Let's take the underdog Jags to pick up the win in Denver. On the line, Denver's a three-point favorite at home. We like the Jags to win. We're going to take those points. Jacksonville plus three. Total in the game set at 38.5 points. Once again, pretty well a perfect total. Once again, the two teams have only combined to hit two overs on the season so far. So we're going to skew under on this one just by that half point. We're going to go under 38.5 points in Jacksonville, Denver. Let's go Jags 21 Broncos 17. Three pass touchdowns for Minshew. Let's go to New Orleans now where the Saints, fresh off that win in Seattle, get to come home and play host to a high-flying Dallas Cowboys football team. Dallas off and running here, a 3-0 start. They're only giving up like 15 points a game on the defensive side. Had a big win last week, obviously 31-6 over Miami. Well, who's not going to beat Miami by that? kind of number and look they're the number two number three sorry number three total offense in the NFL are the Dallas Cowboys and they're going up against a Saints team that right now is the third worst pass defense that secondary is not doing the offense or the run defense any favors so far this season and I think Dallas is going to be able to walk in there and eat them up I believe in this Dak Prescott revenge tour of pay me my money. And, and he is going out there week after week and proving why you need to pay him his money. And I think he is worth that money moving forward. And he's, so far he's proved it basically every single game this season. I think that continues. Even though the game's in New Orleans, let's take the Dallas Cowboys to hang a loss on the Saints. But look, it's worth pointing out 
Teddy Bridgewater had himself an excellent game against Seattle. That whole Saints offense had themselves an excellent game against Seattle, and they should be commended for that. That's a group of professionals right there. That's a group of men that they had every reason in the world to say, geez, you know, we're in a really hostile environment in Seattle. We don't have our franchise quarterback. Like, let's let's ease into this here a little bit. And they would have had every excuse in the world to get run over, but they didn't. They went into that game, said, let's put on our big boy pants and win this football game. And that's exactly what they did. That's a well-coached, well-prepared, elite team. I just don't think they win this week. Uh, on the line, the Saints are two and a half point dogs at home. So you only have to lay two and a half points if you like the Cowboys to win. I do. It's a small price to pay. Let's lay that two and a half. Dallas minus the two and a half. Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. I've got this thing capped right around 50 points. The two teams have combined to hit four of six overs this season. Let's go over 46 and a half points in Dallas, New Orleans. Cowboys 30, Saints 20. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week four is the Pittsburgh Steelers at home playing host to the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati comes into this game on back-to-back roadies. They did lose that four-point decision in Buffalo last week. Pittsburgh coming in with yet more injury news on the offensive side of the football. And it's Vance McDonald coming up with a shoulder injury in that game last week. His status is uncertain at this point. I tried looking it up before I started recording. I didn't see anything concrete one way or the other. So you could be without, you know, an elite style short range weapon there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is the Steelers team that needs weapons like that because they're the fourth worst total offense in football right now. Cincinnati a little bit better than that, but it's it's been all pass, no run, basically. The Bengals, the number three pass offense in football, Andy Dalton doing some work so far this season, but they're the second worst run offense. Mixon's been banged up. He's been ineffective when he's been in there, and they just have not been able to get anything going in the run game. That offensive line does not look good. This is also a battle of two bottom 10 total defenses. Pittsburgh, the fifth worst total defense in football to go along with being the fourth worst total offense. And Cincinnati, only number 26 in terms of total defense. So don't expect to see a defensive gem in this football game. Steelers have won eight straight head-to-head matchups, but the last three, the underdog has covered against the spread and won one of those games outright. I don't really trust Pittsburgh right now. I mean, they didn't look bad in San Francisco last week. They only lost that game by four points, 24 to 20. But I'm also not a big believer in San Francisco. So how much credit do I have in giving them like, well, you still you lost the game by four points. Mason Rudolph was only about 50% completions on his passes. He only threw for 174 yards. He did find the end zone twice, but he did also throw a pick. James Conner was kind of ineffective in the run game, which you can say basically the whole season. Luckily, Juju Smith-Schuster did find the end zone last week, three catches for 81 yards. I, uh, boy, like I say, I just, I just don't trust Pittsburgh. It's another one of those situations similar to what I said earlier where I got to see them do it. I got to see Pittsburgh do it. I got to see them do it with this lineup before I can confidently 
start picking them again. And right now they're 0-3. The defense especially is not giving me any reason to think that they're going to bounce back from this anytime soon, giving up about 28 points a game. So I'm actually going to go with Cincinnati here, despite the fact that Cincinnati's defense is basically just as bad. I'm going to take the Bengals. The team teams are both 0-3. Somebody's got to win. I'm going to take the underdog Bengals in Pittsburgh to hang a loss on the Steelers. On the line, Pittsburgh's four-point favorites, but... Obviously, we like Cincinnati to win. I'm going to lay those four points. Even if you like Pittsburgh to win, it might be worth a second look at Cincinnati plus four. The Bengals have covered the spread both times so far this season on the road. They're 2-0. and So it's worth taking a look, a second look, I should say, at Cincinnati plus four. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. Pretty well a perfect total again as far as I'm concerned. The two teams have only hit two overs so far on the season offenses are relatively anemic other than Andy Dalton's throwing arm but I think we're going to stay under on this one let's stay under 43 and a half points in Pittsburgh Cincinnati let's go Bengals 21 Steelers 20 all right let's go folks platinum gold silver and bronze picks for week four in the NFL let's see if we can't turn this particular ship around we'll start with the bronze pick we only have one correct pick through three weeks absolutely inexcusable one and two straight up and blanks oh and three against the spread and oh and three on the total my bronze pick sees the Indianapolis Colts at home playing host to the Oakland Raiders Raiders on back-to-back road games they did lose last week and did not exactly look good doing it Their Raiders dropping a 20-point decision in Minnesota against the Vikings, 34-14. Offense didn't look good. Defense didn't look good. The Colts, meanwhile, they picked up a three-point victory at home against Atlanta. Falcons, for a little while, were looking like they were going to win that thing. But Indy comes back. The offense does the job. Both of these teams a little bit banged up. But on the Colts' side especially, there might be a situation here with T.Y. Hilton. Hilton was questionable heading into their game last week with a quad injury, but he balled out in the first half with eight catches. He re-aggravated that quad and was then pulled from the game. His status is going to be uncertain for this week, but I think even if T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, there are enough offensive playmakers on the Colts that I don't think they should have any problem at all handling the Raiders this week. I really, really don't. The Raiders, to me, are nothing special on either side of the football. So let's take Indianapolis at home, despite the T.Y. Hilton uncertainty, let's take the Colts to beat Oakland. On the line, the Colts are seven-point favorites at home, which I would say is about the difference between these two teams. It'll give the Colts' defense an opportunity to play a little better than they played last week. I guess this number's a bit of a lean, but since it's an even touchdown, I think I'll lay the points. I think I'll take the Colts minus the seven points. Total in the game set at 45. I've got this capped around a high 40. So I feel fairly good about grabbing the over here. Let's go over 45 points in Indianapolis, Oakland. Let's go Colts 28, Raiders 20. Indianapolis straight up and we're going to hammer Indianapolis minus seven against the spread in a game that goes over 45 points. That is the bronze pick. My silver pick, which is the shining light of these picks at this point, 3-0 straight up, a perfect 3-0 against the spread in this pick, as well as 2-1 on the over-under, sees the Los Angeles Rams coming home, playing host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks we talked about a little bit earlier, um, a fantastic game last week from Mike Evans. I think three touchdowns was a career record, and they still somehow managed to lose the game by one at home against the Giants. 
The Rams, meanwhile, went into Cleveland, picked up a 20-13 victory against the Browns. Now, look, the Browns' defense played fairly well in that game, and L.A. certainly could have played better, but the Rams did pick up the win. They're still playing well this season. They get to come home where they are very good. They've won their only home game so far this season. Historically, just a very good home team. Definitely on the Rams in this football game. I don't know what to trust out of Tampa Bay. Rams right now are also sporting the number three total defense in football, so I'm not expecting uh, a Mike Evans uh, show like I expected last week, or like we got last week, I should say. I wasn't expecting it as one of his fantasy owners. I certainly wasn't expecting a hat trick of touchdowns, but I will certainly take them. All about the Rams here. Let's take Los Angeles at home to put up a loss on Tampa Bay. On the line, the Rams are nine and a half point favorites at home. I really had to kind of think about this twice, but I guess where I ultimately landed on this is it's under double digits. The Bucks defense is not very good. There's way too many playmakers on the Rams side in the run game and certainly in the pass game. I think this is a bounce back game for Jared Goff. I think he has an excellent week this week. Let's lay those points. We're going to take the Rams minus the nine and a half. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. This is pretty close to a perfect total as far as I'm concerned. Kind of a coin flip here, but I, I just expect some points in this game. So we're going to lean over on that one. We're going to go over 50 and a half points in Tampa, Los Angeles. Let's go Rams 31, Bucks 21. Rams straight up, we're hammering Los Angeles minus nine and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 50 and a half points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I'm a perfect 3-0 straight up, but only 0-3 against the spread. I have hit two of the three totals at least. Sees the Baltimore Ravens at home playing host to the Cleveland Browns. And Cleveland is kind of a situation like Chicago. Does anybody watch this Cleveland Browns offense despite all the weapons they have? Does anybody watch this offense and think, it's a really good offense? Because I certainly don't. Baltimore, meanwhile, went into Kansas City last week, one of the loudest buildings in the league, and hung with the league's best offense. They only lost that game by five points. They covered against the spread, as I said they would do. That was such a great football game, and I am so looking forward to these, like Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes versus Jared Goff. I'm so looking forward to these, like, these quarterback legacies of the future, these head-to-head -head matchups. I can't wait to keep seeing them for the next, you know, five to ten years. Should make for some great football games. I don't necessarily know that Lamar Jackson versus Baker Mayfield is going to make for an excellent matchup this week. I think Baltimore's defense is going to be able to take a chunk out of Cleveland in this one. Ravens, the number one total offense in football right now. Not the number one scoring offense, but the number one total offense. Cleveland they're in the bottom 10 in terms of the total offense, and that should not be the case with as many playmakers as this Browns offense has. Baltimore also sitting here sporting the number three run defense in the NFL. Good luck finding lanes to run in Nick Chubb. Division matchup here, Ravens have won six of the last seven straight up, but Cleveland has covered two straight as underdogs, those numbers being plus three and plus seven, which is what the spread is in this game. So, Definitely worth taking a look against the spread, but I mean, I, I feel pretty good about Baltimore uh, winning this football game. So let's take the Ravens at home to beat the Browns.
Moving to the spread now, like I said, Baltimore, you got to lay a full touchdown on them if you want them against the spread. Ravens minus seven. I guess this is kind of going off trend a little bit, but I am going to lay those points with Baltimore. I think Baltimore is that good. I'm not a believer in Cleveland right now. So far through this season, they have not made me a believer. They've not forced me to change my way of thinking. So we're going to lay those points on Baltimore. Let's take the Ravens minus seven. Total in the game set at 46 points. I've got this capped right around here, but a little bit over. I got it at a high 40. Let's take over 46 points in Cleveland, Baltimore. Ravens 30, Browns 18. Ravens straight up. We're hammering the Ravens minus seven against the spread in a game that goes over 46 points. That is your gold pick. And my platinum pick, the last game of the week, where I'm 3-0 straight up, but so far winless on the betting picks against the spread or over-under, sees the Miami Dolphins playing host to the LA Chargers, and do I really have to talk much about this game? Certainly not like the Chargers are lighting the league on fire, but they are the number six total offense in football, going up against the worst total defense in football. Miami's also the second worst total offense. That's about all the time I'm going to waste talking about this matchup. Chargers in a walk on the road. Let's take LA in Miami to beat the Dolphins. On the line, it's another very high spread, obviously, as you can imagine. The Chargers laying 16 points on the road. Chargers minus 16. This is a bit of a lean for me, but I think I'm actually going to take that. And it's only because, like, look, neither one of these teams have won against the spread this year. Miami's 0-3. The Chargers are 0-2-1. Miami's 0-3 is not covering underdog numbers of 7, okay, 18, and 22. They were plus 18 and plus 22 and did not cover either one of those. So if this is only going to be 16 against a team that I know is capable of putting up points in bunches, I think I'm going to have to lay those points. So we're going to take the Chargers minus the 16 points, but this would be an excellent matchup, I think, if you were looking at a six-point teaser, tease them down to Chargers minus 10, I w- I would, I'd like that quite a bit. Uh, total in the game set at 44.5 points. I don't, I think this game barely gets to 40. We're going to go low 40 in this one, plus the two teams are only a combined two and four on the over-unders this season. So we're going to stay under the 44.5 point total in LA Miami. Let's go Chargers 32, Miami 10. That seems relatively reasonable. So, Chargers straight up. We're hammering the Chargers minus 16 against the spread. So, I'm taking all the favorites and all the favorites to cover in the Platinum, Gold, Silver, and Bronze this week. Under 44.5 points. That is your Platinum pick. There you go, folks. Those are your picks for Week 4 2019 NFL regular season. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. And you know what? Since I didn't give Geo the win in the pick'em pool, I'm gonna have to give Geo the comment of the week. I think I think that's only fair. My comment of the week from the week three video goes to my boy Geo Knows. He makes the comment, the Viking Packers game was close last week. That would have been back in week two. Only difference was one team had Kirk Cousins as their quarterback and the other team didn't. This is true. My team does not have Kirk Cousins. Good luck this week. Hashtag let's take the man's money, which is the single greatest hashtag in the history of the internet. Geo, your comment is the comment of the week from the week three video. 
Thank you very much for listening and for watching, folks. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Week four is in the books. Hope you enjoy the games, and we'll see you again for week number five. Thank you.